Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and this is today's episode. Of God bless you, and thank you for tuning in, and welcome. Today we are in the book of Revelation. We are going to conclude Revelation chapter 12 today, and then we'll move into chapter 13 in the next episode, probably. So let's read beginning in verse 11 of Revelation chapter 12. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. For the devil has come down to you, having great wrath because he knows that he has a short time. Now when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the presence of the serpent. So the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. But the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. And the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So here, let's stop for a moment just briefly to do a little bit of a review so that this makes sense to us as we go through it. First of all, we read verses 11 and 12 again, which we covered in the last episode. These are telling us about the victory over Satan and how it is attained. And it is attained through the blood of Jesus, first of all. It is for those who are believers in Jesus Christ, who know him, have his blood applied to their lives, have had faith in his blood that it is enough to pay their sin debt in full, been justified by faith, and their names are written in the Lamb's book of life. They overcome the devil through the blood of Jesus. We overcome the devil through the blood of Jesus and the word of their testimony, the word of our testimony. We talked about that when we give evidence from our own lives, from our own experiences, from what God has done for us and to us, that prove the truth and veracity of his word. We deliver the word and we can testify to it. And then they did not love their lives even to the death. They died to themselves. We die to ourselves. Sometimes that may mean literal persecution, sometimes very severe persecution, even possibly martyrdom and physical death. I want to read Revelation chapter 2, verse 10, because in this passage, we've already studied it in earlier episodes, but in this passage, Jesus is speaking a word of encouragement to the persecuted church in Smyrna. 
And this is applicable to all Christians of all time, especially those who are being persecuted or will be persecuted. Jesus says these words in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation 10 days. Be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. Jesus is telling them here, even if your persecution, your tribulation results in death, be faithful because right on the other side of that door of death, I will be waiting. I am the one who lived, was dead, and now is alive forevermore. He addressed himself in this chapter to that church. And he said, I'm alive and I'm going to give you the crown of life eternal. When you cross that door of death, even if it's through persecution and martyrdom, So he was giving them an encouragement for those who will suffer persecution and martyrdom. Remember in this chapter, we've already talked about, and we just want to do a brief review about the dragon, the woman, and the male child. The woman we saw clearly from scripture is referring to Israel and the Jewish people, the Jewish nation. The male child is Jesus the son of the living God, who was a Jew born of a Jewess named Mary or Miriam in Hebrew. This male child, some include the church possibly because the church is the body of Christ, possibly, but the male child ultimately is referring to the Lord Jesus himself. Dragon, the dragon is the devil. We're clearly told that in this chapter and in other places as well. And this dragon is now being cast down to earth, permanently having his access to heaven, even to accuse the brethren now denied. And he is enraged with great wrath. So his rage leads to him plotting, scheming, and attacking. He is going to turn to now extreme measures of attacks, persecutions, and schemes. And we're told here that it is going to be directed at the woman. He hates the woman, Israel, the Jewish people, because of the promises of God's word to them, because of the Abrahamic covenant, because of the Messiah, because the Messiah was a Jew, They brought forth the Messiah, who was to be the Savior of the world. And so he is enraged against the Jewish people and the Jewish nation at this time. Worse than in past. Worse than in the past. This is going to be worse than the Holocaust, even, in its intent. Why? Because his desire always, and this is for the Jewish people or Gentiles, His desire always, we're told in John chapter 10, verse 10, is only to steal, kill, and destroy. This woman is responsible for the Messiah's first coming, and 
she will usher in with her cry Messiah's second coming in the sense of the cry that Jesus said they will deliver to him the messianic cry upon their full and true repentance. And the devil is trying to thwart that. Just like he tried to thwart Jesus at his first coming, he tried to kill him. He tried to destroy him, you know, when he was first born and even throughout his life and at his death, Satan was trying to thwart Jesus' first coming. He will do no less at his second coming as well. He's trying to stop the word of God from coming to pass. He's trying to thwart Jesus from coming again. Because if he can get to the woman, if he can destroy the woman, if he can stop the woman, if he can kill and destroy the woman, he can stop Jesus from returning, he thinks. Listen to this verse, because this is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 23, verses 37 through 39. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. For I say to you, you, Jewish nation, you, Jewish people, you, Jewish people, you, Israel, you shall see me no more till you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Baruch Abba B'Shem Adonai. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That is a messianic cry from Psalm 118. And Jesus is prophetically saying here that there will come a day when the Jewish remnant will be allured through this wilderness. We talked about that in a couple of episodes ago. And they will call upon the name of the Lord. They will call out to him in repentance and mourn for him. The one that has been pierced, the one that they have pierced. And they will repent before him and declare this cry. And at that cry, Jesus then becomes known to them. He will come to them. And so Satan's attempt now is to try to thwart that from happening. So he knows the word of God. He knows it. He knows scripture. He's going after the woman. He's going to try to kill her, steal, destroy with her. He is trying to thwart this word from coming to pass. But it will be a futile attempt in the end. We see the timing of this event happening when Satan is thrown out. His access fully denied now, permanently, will happen at the midpoint of the tribulation. We know that to be the truth because of earlier scriptures in this chapter and in this book, but also we know that because of the passage that we're in right now. It coincides with this time period when the Jews are told to flee. They were told by Jesus to flee to the wilderness at an event that Jesus called the abomination of desolation, referring back to Daniel the prophet and even to possibly a spot where Ezekiel prophesied as well. 
And so this is coinciding with that exact same time. We know that to be the case because it says for the time, times, and half a time. That takes us back to Daniel's prophetic word about the times, time, and half a time in his book, also help, helping us to connect it with Daniel's 70th week. And we are at the middle of that week, which is found for us in Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. God is ultimately in control and Satan will not win in the end. God has already prepared a place ahead of time to preserve this Jewish remnant. We talked about that some when we looked at the flight to the wilderness, the alluring place is that episode's title, where God will allure them back to him. But notice this, even when he brought them out of the land of Egypt, the Torah tells us that he had he was bringing them to a land he had already been ahead of them and prepared for them. He had already seen it. He had already called it forth. And now it was coming into existence when he was bringing the children of Israel out of Egypt and bringing them into the land ultimately. So God is so wonderful. This is an encouraging word for all of us that we can take application from. God prepares ahead of time for us. He knows our future. He knows what's ahead. And he's already prepared ahead of time all that we need. He prepared this place ahead of time for her. He has now even called on and set up other nations, other ways for her provision to be granted to her. In the prophets, some, some places, some areas, some nations were called upon by God. One specifically, I believe it's in Isaiah chapter 16 that we referenced the other day, to nourish his people, to take care of them, to provide for them and feed them. And Revelation 12 tells us here that in this place in the wilderness, she is nourished there. We see that God says he carries her there. In other words, through the wings of this great eagle, we are told. Now, we don't know exactly what that means. There's lots of speculation. Some believe it might be through a plane, that, that they're taking them on planes. I don't know. Nobody knows for sure. There's a lot of speculation. There's speculation about what countries might be involved in that, who might be helping get her there. We don't know. All I can tell you is what Jesus said, and that is in Matthew chapter 24. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 15 says this, beginning here, it says this, Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. Let me stop for just a moment. He's referring back to Daniel's prophetic words, and he's referring back to places like Daniel 11, Daniel chapter 9, Verse 27 speaks of the middle of the week, that three and a half marker period, that this is going to be set up. And this is what's going to trigger the, the final three and a half years and trigger the Jewish people to know now is when you've got to get out of here. You've got to go to the wilderness. It's at this point. Beginning again in verse 16 with the reading. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him 
who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house, and let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days, and pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath, for then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved, but for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. This is that same time period when they must flee to the wilderness. We don't know for sure how they're going to get there other than these two wings of a great eagle. But I want to take you back to a passage in scripture that might give us a clue as to this, because I see similarities between these two places in scripture. Let's look next at Exodus In Exodus chapter 19, beginning in verse 3, it says this, And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings, and brought you to myself. Here again, and we referenced this a little bit in a couple of episodes ago, God is bringing the Jews to the wilderness for the sole purpose of alluring them there and bringing them to himself, just like he did in the pattern and in the time of bringing the children of Israel out of Egypt into the wilderness. And there he said, I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Here in Revelation chapter 12, we also find the reference to the eagles' wings. Now, I don't know how God's going to do it. I don't know if he's going to use planes or what he's going to use. I don't know if he's going to use certain nations or not. But I do know this. He's going to bear them on eagles' wings, just like he did in Exodus chapter 19. And he's going to bring them to himself through this wilderness flight, just like he said in Hosea chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. We read that in that episode, The Alluring Place. We talked about it because the whole purpose is stated right there. God is going to allure them in the wilderness back to himself, just like he did when he first brought them out of Egypt. Oh, praise God. We know that this event is going to happen in the middle of the tribulation and the duration will be for this final three and a half years. Time, times, and half a time. The time representing the year, times representing two years, and the half a time, a half of a year, six months. So three and a half years. And this final three and a half years will culminate in the second coming of Jesus when the Jews do repent and make that messianic cry to the Lord. The devil is not going to be able to stop that, but he's still going to try his best. He's still going to attempt to do it, although it will be a futile attack. He's got some futile attempts spoken of here. He's trying to stop the woman's flight. So the Bible says here that he's spewing water at her. Now, we don't know exactly what that means, 
John's recording and writing the best he knows how to describe these events. It could be some kind of flood, some kind of attack, some kind of storm, mega storm, hurricane. We don't know. We don't know what it's talking about here. But we do know that the source of it is the devil, whatever it is. He's trying to attack them, and he's released this against them, against this woman and against these Jewish people that are trying to flee in obedience to what Jesus said to do. But I want to read a couple of passages in the Old Testament. The first one is Isaiah 59. In Isaiah chapter 59, I want to begin the reading in verse 16. He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, his own arm brought salvation for him. This is talking about the Lord. And his own righteousness, it sustained him. For he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak. According to their deeds, accordingly, he will repay fury to his adversaries, recompense to his enemies, the coastlands he will fully repay. This is talking prophetically about not just his first coming, but also his second coming. Verse 19, so shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. This will be a futile attempt from Satan. The Spirit of the Lord is going to lift up the standard when Satan attempts to come at them with this flood, whatever it is. And now I'd like to read Nahum chapter 1, beginning in verse 2 for a few verses. God is jealous and the Lord avenges. The Lord avenges and is furious. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries and he reserves wrath for his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power, and will not at all acquit the wicked. The Lord has his way in the whirlwind and in the storm, and the clouds are the dust of his feet. He rebukes the sea and makes it dry, and dries up all the rivers. Bashan and Carmel wither, and the flower of Lebanon wilts. The mountains quake before him, the hills melt, and the earth heaves at his presence. Yes, the world and all who dwell in it who can stand before his indignation and who can endure the fierceness of his anger. His fury is poured out like fire and the rocks are thrown down by him. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who trust in him. But with an overwhelming flood, he will make an utter end of its place and darkness will pursue his enemies." So God is going to have his say and have his way, even though the devil is going to try to come against them with this flood, whatever it is. So then in verse 17, after these futile attempts to get at this woman, now, because God has supernaturally covered the woman and caused her to escape to the place that he has provided for her, where she will be nourished, and where she will be allured and brought back to Jesus, brought to the Lord. This serpent is now enraged again. And in great wrath, he is going to turn to persecute, it says, the rest of her offspring. Now, 
This could mean the rest of the Jews, those who maybe did not take Jesus' advice and did not fly to the wilderness, very possibly. And I'm assuming that that would represent the unbelieving Jews that would remain. And they would be subject to this persecution from Satan, possibly to this fury of the Lord's wrath as well as God is pouring out his wrath. It could be the Jews who did not flee. That's part of that. It could also be the tribulation saints, all who will come to believe in Jesus during this last three and a half year period when the devil is going to be enraged and persecuting them. The reason I say that is because they also are of the true seed of Abraham by faith. I want us to read this in Galatians chapter 3. In Galatians chapter 3, I want to read a couple of different passages. The first one is found in verses 7 through 14. Therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. For the just shall live by faith. Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now, he begins next to talk about the purpose of the law and that it served a good purpose because it was our tutor to bring us to Jesus Christ. But I want us to pick up the reading again in verse 24. Therefore the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we're no longer under a tutor. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So the rest of her offspring... It could include naturally born Jewish people, those of Jewish blood, but I believe even more possibly it is speaking of, perhaps it's speaking of both, but it is definitely including the tribulation saints. Notice this in Daniel chapter 7, verse 21 and 22. In Daniel chapter 7, we're learning more about this person that's going to arise that's going to do a lot of the, do the devil's bidding. We'll talk more about that in the next several episodes. But notice this in verse 21 of Daniel chapter 7. 
I was watching, and the same horn was making war against the saints. And we'll talk about who this horn is that he's talking about here, but it's a person. I was watching, and the same horn was making war against the saints and prevailing against them until the Ancient of Days came and a judgment was made in favor of the saints of the Most High and the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. What kingdom is he referring to? The kingdom that the Ancient of Days is giving to the Son of Man that comes to him in verses 13 and 14 of this same chapter. So this is taking us up to the time of Jesus' second coming, when that's going to be the time for the possessing of the kingdom. That's when the Ancient of Days is making this judgment in favor of the saints, and the time is now come for the kingdom of Messiah to be ushered in. But until then, this horn who is inspired, possibly even possessed by the devil, will be making war against the saints and prevailing against them. He is given the ability during this time to prevail against the saints, this short season of this last three and a half years. Now, does the devil persecute saints today? Does the devil persecute the church? Oh, yes, he does. And sometimes that persecution does result in martyrdom. We recognize that. But it is going to be ramped up to the highest level during these three and a half years because the devil now is cast out of heaven permanently and he has come down with great rage. Know this, that these are believers, whether Jewish or Gentile or both, they keep the commandments of God, and we are told they have the testimony of Jesus Christ. They know Jesus Christ. They're not just religious people. They are, they are Christians. They know and believe in Jesus Christ. The church prior to this time of the tribulation, according to Matthew chapter 16, verse 16 through 18, is given authority and the enemy cannot prevail against them. That's what that passage says. So this is not speaking of the church at this time. The church is persecuted sometimes and there is martyrdom sometimes in this life. Yes, there is. But at this time, the church is not the one that is being spoken of. However, we are told of saints, of people that will get saved after the rapture of the church, during this time of the tribulation, we call them affectionately tribulation saints. They will be martyred, most all of them. Some may not, but there will be very few that will escape that. We are talking about great persecution and martyrdom. It will be worse than the Holocaust through this rage of Satan as well as coupled with God's wrath, because God's wrath is also being poured out at this same time, these last three and a half years of the tribulation. And during this tribulation time period, a sad commentary happens as far as the Jewish people are concerned. According to Zechariah chapter 13, verse 8 and 9, two-thirds of them will be killed, and the remaining one-third 
will be refined and purified through testing, perhaps even including with this persecution, and it will be severe. We know that there are other martyred saints that occur in the last half of the tribulation. Notice this, because one of the reasons that we know that is because we're told it early in the very first part of the tribulation. I want to take us back to look at Revelation chapter 6. Let's read Revelation chapter 6, verse 9 through 11. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Now, this could include possibly all who have been martyred and all innocent bloodshed from Abel all the way through the scriptures and all the way through until that very time. We don't know, but we do know that there's lots of people that have been martyred for the sake of the Lord and have been had their blood innocently shed for wrongful causes and their blood is crying out for this vengeance. Verse 11, Then a white robe was given to each of them and it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who would be killed as they were was completed. So in other words, right here in the fifth seal, very early in the first part of the tribulation, we are told that there will be more tribulation saints, more saints that will be martyred more saints that will be killed. And so now, in this last three and a half years of the tribulation, we see that coming to pass. This little horn that Daniel spoke about is going to be able to make war against the saints and prevail over them. That time has now come in our study of the book of Revelation. This is what Revelation 12 is telling us. But we also know that it is a brief and short time that the devil still has remaining for him to attempt these various things. Some he may be successful in the interim, but overall they are futile attempts because God will have his way, God will have his day, and God will have his say. Praise be to God. He is the ultimate victor, and his kingdom is coming soon. I pray that this has been a blessing to you, and Lord willing, you can join us again for future episodes. God bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.